1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we've been going through 1 Timothy for quite some time so far. Um, we've, been, we've been making our way down through specifically the first five verses so far. So what I want to do is we're going to start off in verse 1, read through for verse 5, and then we'll pick up where we left off the last time. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Father, we thank you for the time that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow it be the final authority in all things, um, in our life, in our practice, in our doctrine, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> I don't know where that's coming from. All right, notice... We, we, we've come down through, and the first thing that I want us to point out is in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, when Paul says, when I went into Macedonia, he's leaving, he's leaving Timothy here at Ephesus, and he's, he's giving him a charge, right? And he says, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, one of the things that we know what's going on that's being taught there is there are some that teaching other doctrines. And he's saying, I want you to charge some. And the, the thing that I take solace in in the fact there is it says some, not all, right? So there are some there that are teaching other doctrines. And we find out a little bit later on what those doctrines are. And you find out in verse 7, he says, desiring to be teachers of the law. So it's the exact same issue that Paul was dealing with the folks in Galatia. Now, if you jump over real quick, go over to Galatians chapter 3. And actually, get chapter 1 first, then we'll take a look at a couple other things there. <coughs> I'm about to drink our spray water up here. No, I'll be good. <coughs> Galatians chapter 1. Notice here in verse 6, Paul's writing to the folks here in Galatia, and I'm convinced based upon the Scriptures that the first book that Paul wrote was the book of Galatians. And it was in response to the issues that came about in, in Acts chapter 15 where you've got some folks that are going around saying, well, if you're not baptized or if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, then you're not saved. And Paul says, I'm going to write and I'm going to write this issue and I'm going to take care of it as quickly as I possibly can. If you nip it in the bud, then it doesn't have a chance to grow. What we find out though is, is what happens. It grew so much so that it's still being taught today. That if you don't do this after the manner of so-and-so, <clears throat> thank you, if you don't do this after the manner of so-and-so, then what's going to happen is, is you're not saved. We get that all the time. Well, if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. Well, if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you're not saved. Right? We see this and we hear this stuff all the time. <clears throat> what Paul's saying here is in verse 6, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. Now, the issue that I noticed there that I, I kind of take a look at is, it's not that they're removed <clears throat> that he's struggling with. He's saying, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. How quickly you've been moved off of the truth of who you are in Christ and you've been saved by this gospel. I marvel that you so soon removed from Him. 
that called. Notice, <clears throat> who's the him there that he's talking about? Himself. He's saying, I'm shocked. I marvel that you're so soon removed from me because it's him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He's saying, I'm shocked. I, I, I marvel that you're so soon removed. <clears throat> Notice, hold your place there. Go back to first Tim or go to Second Timothy. Because we see the same thing here with Timothy almost, right? Second Timothy chapter one. <clears throat> Verse 6, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Notice, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me His prisoner. Timothy, That's something that Timothy was struggling with. Is He's, he's saying... Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me. And so what the issue is, is I don't want to be affiliated with Paul because look at all the problems that Paul had. Now, hold your place there. Think about this. Now, let that go. Go to Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 1. And we'll see, we'll see why that's one of those things that people look at and might, might think a little bit lower of you. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Notice, and he's telling the folks here at Philippi the same thing in a way. Notice, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, now, I want to pause there for a second. When things go wrong in your life, people will look at you, especially religious people, and they'll say, the reason that that's happening to you is because you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not in a Baptist church. You're not in a Catholic church. You're not in a Pentecostal church. You're doing your own thing. You don't believe the way that I believe. So the reason that that bad thing took place in your life is because you're wrong and God's trying to get your attention. And that's because of the doctrine that they're taught that God gets people when they're not paying attention. But notice, they're looking at this issue, their adversaries are looking and they're thinking, what? Well, that's an evident token of perdition. You're out of God's will and that's why the, that bad thing's happening. <clears throat> that's almost what I'm thinking that Timothy and the folks at Galatia are looking at the troubles that Paul's going through and they're caught up with, there must be something wrong because people are telling us something's wrong. And Paul's not doing what Paul's supposed to be doing. And that's why he's having all these troubles. That's why he's having shipwrecks. And that's why he's having people come against him. That's why he's in prison and all that stuff. And they're like, well, let's distance us from them because we don't want to be with that same curse. It's that same idea that I don't want to go through that stuff. But notice what Paul reminds the folks at Philippi about is what? But to you of salvation and that of God. Now, of course... That brings up the issue of, <clears throat> is that salvation from the death penalty of your sin? No, he's talking to save people already. So a lot of times when we look at the Scriptures, we have to ask ourselves when we see that word saved or salvation, the question should be saved from what? What is it that they should be saved from is what? The fear and intimidation of the things that they're going to be going through. 
Don't be caught up thinking that God's trying to strike you down because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. The fact that you're going through that stuff proves that you are doing what you're supposed to do. It's the exact opposite of that. He's saying it's, it's to you, it's the salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given. And here's what's really interesting. <clears throat> we did a series a few years ago about, it was called Struggle, Strife, and Life. Here's, here's the crux of that issue. Verse 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, we all like that part, but also to suffer for His sake. That's the part we don't like. Have you ever thought about <clears throat> it is given you in behalf of Christ to not only believe on Him, but to what? Suffer for His sake. Part of the life that we have is we're going to have problems. We've talked about there's three things. One, we live in a sin-cursed world. Things are going to go wrong. We've talked about it before. There was a guy that I worked with at school. We go outside. His car doesn't start. And he says, God's trying to get my attention because I'm not reading the Bible like I should. We open up his hood. His battery cable's corroded. I'm like, that's why your car won't start. It's because you don't maintain your vehicle. It's not because God hates you or is mad at you. But we live in a sin-cursed world. Batteries are going to fail. Tires are going to go flat. Cars are going to not start. Not God trying to get your attention. The only way that He gets your attention, there's two ways, through the cross and through the book in your hand. And that's the two ways that God gets your attention. But oftentimes, we think religiously is something happens, that's a sign, but what we've, taught, what we've come to understand is God's not speaking to us that way. He speaks to us through the cross and through His book. And that's it. <clears throat> but notice... For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and, and, and now here to be in me. And he goes on down through how to deal with those things in Philippians chapter 2. But the issue is, is just because Paul's going through stuff, Timothy, folks in Galatia, the folks in Philippi, don't leave him. The problem is, is what did all of them do? They all left him. You get over to 2 Timothy right before he's right before he goes to die, and what happens? He says, They've all forsaken me. You know, we talked about it earlier when we went to Jeremiah's chapter 7. What do we know about this message when we go and preach it? People won't like it. Because it doesn't appeal to the flesh. And what are they going to do? They're going to call you names. And normally when they start calling you names, that means they have real no real recourse or any real information to be able to because they know that they've lost the argument and they just they just kind of go to that but the issue here that i want us to remind ourselves is <clears throat> what is it that the folks in galatia and also the folks in ephesus who paul's talking to timothy about he says what galatians 1 6 i marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into this grace of christ unto another gospel how easily people are moved because what did they use by the way go back there real quick hold your place there we'll get back to that acts chapter 15 <clears throat> and just just remind us of this stuff Acts chapter 15, verse 1. This is, this, is, this is right before 
we have the book of Galatians written, and I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit by Paul wrote it in response to this. Acts 15.1 And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. What, are they, what is it that they're using there? They're using Leviticus chapter 12. They're using Scripture. You ever thought of that? You've got the religious people using Scripture to say you're out of God's will and if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, then you are not saved. They're using Scripture. One of the most dangerous things is to be scriptural but not dispensational. Right? So what's the very first thing that Paul's doing here with these folks is they are going to use Scripture and they're going to use Scripture against you and what you have to do, Galatia, and by extension, the folks in Ephesus and the folks in Philippi and the folks in Frankfurt and surrounding areas, he's saying they're going to use Scripture. But what you have to do is to be able to look at it dispensationally and say, here's what's going on. Right? So they're using Scripture. And so then these people who fairly newly saved, what is their thought process? Maybe we're wrong because these guys come down from Judea, so they probably know a little bit more about this than I do. And oftentimes we fall into that same trap. But notice back in Galatians chapter 1. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You go over to 2 Corinthians 11, you see the same thing there. Which is not another. But there's be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now that issue of perverting is to change by adding something to it. Question. Did Peter preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Yes. 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 Did Paul preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Yes. 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 Is that the same gospel? Not no. <laughs> See why he's saying preach another gospel, yet is not another, but some pervert the gospel. So what's going on is does do they come along and say, Peter preached death, burial, and resurrection. Paul preached death, burial, and resurrection. Same message, right? People will do that. We see them all the time. But what they're doing is they're taking the gospel that Christ, the uh, gospel of Christ that Paul had. And they're saying, well, that's the same thing. But part of that is you have to be water baptized, you have to repent, be baptized, and you have to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. So what have they just done with Paul's Gospel is they've changed it by adding something to it and they've perverted it. Another Gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the Gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have that we have preached unto you. If there's if there's any verse in Scripture, and there's a bunch of them, that would let you know that what Paul preaches is different is that verse right there. If there's it, he says, which we have preached unto you. Not we as Peter and the, the eleven and myself, but we as me. And notice. <clears throat> Um, keep on going. Notice. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, 
If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So Paul repeats that twice. So we might want to pay attention to that, right? Jump over to chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Paul goes through and there's some really great information between that and where we're going to go right here in chapter 3. But notice, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit of the, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Notice, hold your place there. Go back to Luke 24 real quick. <clears throat> we get an idea. Of course, we know, we know some verses about what is the fool said in his heart. There is no God, right? So there's something, there's something about being foolish and the idea there is there's something that you're missing. Notice here, Luke chapter 24. Um, we'll start at verse 24. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24. Verse 24. This is where Christ after His resurrection. Notice verse Verse 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. When Christ brings that up to the guys on on the road, the Emmaus road, what's he say? He says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe what? All that was the prophets have spoken. You go down through there and you find some other things. The issue there is what? He's saying, you don't know what the prophets wrote about. And what do they write about? Notice in verse 25, verse, verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So the issue there is, what is it that they don't know is, they don't know what they don't know. And he, he says, Oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the, the prophets have spoken. When you get over here to the folks in Galatia, what's their problem is, they don't know how to deal with things. Right? <clears throat> Go back over to Galatians. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up again. Galatians chapter 2. We'll get back to chapter 3 here in a second. But we see the same thing. When he brings up this issue of, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? There are some things that you don't know, and we see the problem with that in chapter 2. Note, and we've talked about this before. Chapter 2, verse 4. Paul goes up to Jerusalem by revelation here. Verse 4, he says, And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in. Now, that issue of unawares, there are people in the Galatia church that are unaware of what's being taught and they're bringing false brethren in saying, hey, have you heard this guy? You need to come and listen to this guy. We're going to bring him into the Galatian church and let him preach. 
and they have no idea what's being preached at Galatia or what the guy that they're bringing in is preaching. They're unaware of what's going on. They don't know. They're fools and slow of heart to believe all the Scripture. That's why Paul brings up that issue in chapter 3 of, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. You know exactly what's going on. You know what the gospel is. We've preached that before, but you've allowed somebody else to come along and say, that's not it. You've got to do something else. And the reason why is because they didn't know. We've said it before. Bible literacy is down here these days, right? You know why people are so easily swayed to not believe things? Because they don't know the Bible to begin with. Or they have the wrong Bible. So we've talked about that before. I met a guy down in North Carolina last week um, on the the elevator in in the, the hotel. He goes up the second floor. He gets off second floor and he's, he's asking me questions. He was like, why are you wearing a shirt and tie? I was like, well, I'm here for a Bible conference. And so he starts asking me, you know, where it is, who's the, who's the guest speaker and all that stuff. And so then we're having a conversation. He says, well, I'm an independent Baptist preacher. And he's like, you know, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And I'm sitting here holding the door because I got to go up to the fourth floor and it's beeping and we're chatting. Probably should just let it go. But anyway... So we're talking a little bit. The next morning, I come down for breakfast, and he's sitting there, and he says, you got a couple minutes to talk? And I was like, sure. So we're sitting over there talking, and he's like, I looked you all up. You make a lot about Paul, and you don't water baptize. He's like, I'm the same way. I'm like, independent Baptist preacher that doesn't baptize? Okay. Uh, He's like, I don't make a big deal out of it. It's not for salvation, but we still baptize if the person goes a long time and proves that they're saved. And I'm like... Fruit inspectors. And there's a bunch of them out there. So I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so we ha- we're having this conversation and, and, and we're talking about these things and, and, and I'm talking to him. You know, we're talking about the baptism issue, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 6. There's only one. Which one is it? Well, good for you. You don't have to choose. It's already been chosen for you. It's the spiritual baptism. So we talked about that a little bit. And then I gave him one of our little cards and he was looking at it and he said, Crosswork Bible Church. Why crosswork? Why not? <laughs> and I was like, crosswork. It's about the crosswork and we preach the Bible so we crosswork Bible Church. He's like, crosswork. I get it now. I'm thinking. Um, I've witnessed this. I have too. So I'm not shocked but I'm thinking, I now know who I'm dealing with. Right? Just a short period of time. But that's 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 one of those things. When we look at when we look at the issue of why what when we named this years ago, we wanted it to be about the crosswork and we wanted to be able to preach the Bible. So one of the things that all of us should be able to know is what is the crosswork and we should know what the Bible is. How to read it, how to study it, how to meditate on it, how to use it in our lives. That's the whole purpose of us being here, right? So then, this Bible issue, that's not what was going on here. Question, did Paul go back to Galatia and make sure that they knew some stuff? He absolutely did. Go back to, go back to Acts chapter 14. Because he did this all the time. 
Go back to Acts chapter 14, verse 20. My, my issue here is they're not knowing what's being taught and they don't know what's being taught in their church and they don't know what's being taught by people out there that they're bringing in. They're unaware. All right? Notice um, Acts chapter 14. Start off here in verse 20. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about Him, this is of course right after Paul was stoned and left for dead, they stood up around... Uh, Around round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. You know what I like about that? He didn't get up and say, "Man, where are those guys at?" I, where the, I'll just, I'm gonna get them back. No, you know what he did? He got up, knowing Jeremiah chapter seven that they're not gonna listen. I want to go anyway, and what's he do? He gets up and he goes back to the work. But here's the thing. Notice in verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Notice what? Confirming the souls of the disciples. Do you know what he was doing? Every time he would go preach the gospel somewhere, he would keep going to different cities and he would come back and do what? Confirm. Are you still sticking with the stuff? So when Paul goes from Galatia, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Did they know? They should have. Did he go through and preach the Gospel and then edify them, build them up, and then he goes off to other cities and he comes back through and he confirms. That's what he did in his ministry. That's what he did. is He would go preach the Gospel, set up the local assembly, Get make sure that everybody's built up and he would move to the next one and then he would come back through confirming the souls of the disciples, making sure that everybody's where they need to be. One of the results of that is we get the book of Galatians. Right? What do we know about the book of Galatians? All scriptures given by inspiration is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction. The book of Galatians is a book of correction. You're you're in the wrong doctrine. Here's the right doctrine. You already know it, by the way, but you're not applying it. Somebody's come along, as he said in chapter 1, we see the exact same thing here. Go over to chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Now, you stop there for a second. What's the goal of the people that are the false brethren that the unaware people brought in, what's the goal of the false brethren is to what? They're, they're desiring to circumcise. Also what? As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. Do you know what that reminds me of? Did anybody... I don't know some of y'all may not have because you might be more spiritual than I. But did, you ever, did you ever watch Rod Parsley? Anybody heard of Rod Parsley? Yes, a few times. Up in Ohio. I think it's Columbus, Ohio. That's a fair show in the flesh. Sure is. 
Kenneth Copeland. Y'all know him? I grew up in that as well. I'm letting all my sins out this morning. <laughs> Jesse Duplantis. That's a fair show in the flesh. You see a lot of that stuff. That's exactly what that is. It's what? To make a fair show in the flesh, what did they do there is what? They constrain you to be circumcised. Now, we talk about over in 2 Corinthians 5 where it talks about, for the love of Christ constraineth us. When you talk about constrain, it's what? It grabs a hold of you and it won't let go. So what we see here is what are they doing? They constrain you to be circumcised. They're grabbing a hold of you and they're saying, you've got to be circumcised and I'm not going to let you go until you do. You've got to be water baptized and I'm not going to let you go until you do. You've got to tithe and if you don't, I'm going to hold you here until you do. That's religion. That's what's going on. Notice. <clears throat> they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised do what? They're not even keeping the law. Now, keep that in mind when we get back over to 1 Timothy. But desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. You know what they're doing? We baptized 20 last week. What have you done this week? We had 43 people, 43 people come down to the altar this week. How many did you have? That's right. Do you know who's not going to walk through the door? The majority of the world out there. Why? Because we're not desiring to make a show of the flesh. That's not the purpose. I just did. Write a large letter to you with my own hand. That was a big deal. It was. He had to write his own letter. Because mm-hmm. he usually had someone Somebody else wrote it for him, yeah. So this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. That, that, that gives me the idea of how personal that this yeah. is to him. Yeah. Because the gospel meant so much to him that he says, I'm going to write this myself. Now, of course, this being the first one he wrote, he wouldn't have had um, Aristarchus and all those guys around to be able to write that for him. But that is one of those things. It's a personal thing. He cared so much about the, the cross. Notice verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. When, 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 you, think about, when you think about that, he, there's there's this issue of of he says by whom the world is crucified unto me that's that issue of justification and I into the world that's that issue of sanctification God's already separated us from the world and Paul's saying I'm looking at that stuff and I want to choose that I won't be a part of that either and I encourage you to do the exact same thing notice for in Christ Jesus Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. You pause there for a second. Was there a time in, 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 in Scripture where circumcision availed something? Absolutely. Yes, it did. It availed you to Christ. It availed you to God. It availed you to the hope. It availed you to the covenants of promise. It availed you to peace. Now he says that avails you nothing. But what? A new creature. That stuff's not an issue. But what is an issue is a new creature. 
You ever thought about this? When God created Adam, God created Adam perfect and placed him in a perfect creation and said, keep it. Today, God is creating a new creature, the body of Christ, which is perfect. And says what? Keep it. The, the correlations there is just to me is astounding. But as we look at that stuff, notice in verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, what rule? That circumcision availeth nothing nor uncircumcision, but Christ crucified, that's the issue, save the cross of Christ, as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now you stop and you think about that. We've already dealt with grace, mercy, and peace before, right? Because that's what Paul starts off the letter with that we see over here in 1 Timothy. So there's some issues there. Um, drop back to chapter 14 real quick. <clears throat> Chapter 14, Galatians, Galatians 4. My bad, Galatians 4. Did I say 14? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim COVID brain on that one. Galatians 4. My apologies. Galatians 14. What kind of Bible do you have? I've really, look, I've really enjoyed the visit today. We're going to chapter 14 of Galatians. we got a problem. Um, turn, to the, turn to Greg chapter 1. No. Galatians chapter 4. Again, I'm blaming COVID on that one. But no, it's my fault. I know, you're listening. And you're holding me accountable, and I appreciate that. Verse 15. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to me. Now, there's some issues that Paul's dealing with, and of course, that's one of the things he says. I wrote uh, uh, a large letter to you, and that's one of the reasons why it was interesting for him to do that, because he had an infirmity in the flesh. Well, you think. Chapter 14, he's stoned and left for dead. Chapter 15, he's talking about an issue of going up to Jerusalem and fixing some people saying, quit preaching your gospel in, the, in my cities because you're preaching the wrong gospel. And then in, in chapter, chapter 4 here, he talks about the issues of, of his infirmities in the flesh, which has to do with the fact that he was just stoned and left for dead just chapters before, years ago, possibly within a year in, in, in Acts. And he says what? You all know, I know that if it was possible, you would have plucked out your own eye and given me your eyes. Now, one of the things people talk about with Paul's infirmity, they say he had eye problems. I don't believe that at all. I think he was stoned, he was stoned and left for dead. And what happens is they're not going to pick little gravels to throw at you. They're going to find the biggest stones that they possibly can, and it's going to hurt you. It's going to cause some problems. Um, but that's, that's another story. But <clears throat> notice... Verse 16, I know that you were going to do this. Verse 16, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I know that you would give your right eye to me if it was possible, but now you're going to turn on me because I'm your enemy because I tell you the truth. Verse 17, they zealously affect you 
but not well. Do you know what happens when you take grace out and put law in? It's that right there. You're going to be zealously affected, but not well. Because they're going to take your liberty. In fact, that's what you find out in chapter 5. He says, stand fast in the liberty that you already have. Chapter 2, they, the, 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 the false brethren that the unawares brought in, they were there specifically to spy out their liberty, to take their liberty from them. What is it that allows you to live the life that you're living right now and we're going to take that away and we're going to replace it with a law? That's what was happening over in Ephesus that Paul was dealing with with Timothy. You see it in Galatia as well. He says what? Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. Notice that. If you stuck with what there's with what you're supposed to be doing, what's going to happen? They're going to exclude you because they don't want to be affected by your doctrine. If you're sticking with the stuff, they're going to exclude you. Verse 18. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I'm present with you. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that? You know, the, you know the old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play? That's that right there. You talk and you, you care about the Scriptures while I'm here, do the same thing when I'm gone. Right? And he even brings this up, verse 19, My little children, of whom I travail in pain or in birth, again unto Christ be formed into you, until Christ be formed in you. You know, I've, I've often said this before, and this reminds me of this. Paul says, I desire to be present with you now and change my voice, and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. You know, it's one of those things, I've said this before, <clears throat> I've told Delilah this. You think of, of ministry, and this is any, any type of ministry that you do. Um, this is kind of how I feel about ministry sometimes. <clears throat> and I'm sure this is, this is kind of the idea, this is what I get from what Paul is saying here, is ministry is kind of like, I want to prepare a special meal for everybody. And I know what you like and what you don't like. I know what you like and what you don't like. Each and every one of you. I know what you like and what you don't like. And I'm thinking, man, in two weeks, I'm going to make this meal. You're going to come and everybody's going to enjoy it because it's going to be made specifically for you. Week before, I go and prepare. I go and get all the stuff and I get everything that I need to start making all this stuff. That week before, I start getting everything together, make all the stuff. I'm like, this is for Bruce, and this is for... And I'm like, all right, this is going to be awesome. They're going to come in. They're going to know exactly what place is going to be for them. And then people walk through the door, and you got a McDonald's bag. That's what I feel Paul thinks right here, is you know the stuff. And in fact, we all know the stuff. And what happens is he's saying, what? Being zealously affected always in a good thing. That's a good thing. But oftentimes we start thinking that we're not who we are. Sometimes we start thinking or allowing somebody else to say, well, you're not this because of this, this, and this. 
And oftentimes it's because we're fighting a fight that'll get you down. It will. You know, people always say, getting old's hard. It's not for sissies. Well, serving Christ is not for sissies either. We've got to get thick skins because not now, but sometime soon, we're going to have to start suffering for that book. One of these days, if not sometime soon, every one of the books that we have in front of us will be declared hate speech. And they will come get you if you got one in your home. And like I've said before, Paul says there in chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. That's what Paul's dealing with for the folks in, in Ephesus and in Galatia. He's saying, this is what it is. I care so much about you. I know that you care about me. You'd give me one of your eyes. But somebody comes along and says, yeah, but what about this verse? And oftentimes we are swayed away. It's happened to all of us. I know it has. It's happened to me. So you think about those things and he's saying what? Stand fast. One of the things that we've said before is if we start taking our stand now, when it comes time to stand, we don't have to get up. If we take our stand now, when the time comes to stand, we're already standing. The book that we have in our hands, it's more than just a book. It is life. It's God's life. He's put His life in it. The words aren't there just to be words to fill up pages. Every single word matters. That's what Paul's dealing with the folks there. They've been moved off of who they were. Go real quick and we'll finish here. Because this will be the, the end of all this stuff. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> By the way, I know you all come in and you eat the feast. I know that. All right. But I'm saying that's how Paul, I could kind of see that's how Paul feels. And I appreciate that. Second Timothy chapter 2. This goes along with the same stuff we're dealing with. We'll just break into the context here. Verse 23. Paul again is talking to Timothy. He says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. We see the same thing over in chapter 1, which tells us what? He's not learned how to avoid foolish questions yet. I told you in, in, in 1 Timothy, I'm having to tell you again, this is, a, this is something that you need to deal with. He says, but foolish and, que and unlearned questions avoid. Why? Knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. That's that issue. I want you to think about this. The folks in Galatia, here's where they are. The folks in Ephesus are the exact same way. And what happens is, is because of who they are in Christ, they are who they are. But what happens is, somebody outside comes along and says, here's something else that you've not done. And what it does is it moves them just ever so slightly off who they are. And they now oppose who they actually are in their mind. 
Are you complete in Christ? Yes. If somebody comes along and says, you have to be circumcised, what they're doing is trying to get you to think that you're not complete in Christ. Are you still complete in Christ? How do you know? The book tells me. Right? Notice, what happens is, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, they're over here thinking that they're not complete when they actually are. You know, I've said this before. There are people in church buildings that have trusted the Gospel and they are complete in Christ and they have no clue about it. And somebody comes along and says, you're not there, and they move over here very easily. But if you know who you are in Christ, it's not as easy to get pulled away. But is it possible to still be pulled away? Yes, it is. Because life happens, right? We know life happens. We understand that that's an issue that we all struggle with and deal with on a daily basis. And Paul says to do what? In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. So somebody over here says, hey, that's not who I am. I'm this person over here. So what I need to do is I need to quit thinking I'm not that, but I actually am, and get that thought process changed. That's that issue of repentance, right? Changing your mind. I'm not here. I am complete. There's nothing I'm lacking. Notice, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth and that they may recover what? Themselves. You know the interesting thing about that is? If we're over here thinking we're this, I'm not the one that can get you to think that way. You have to, by your own free will, believe the verses or not, to get yourself saying, I am that. I am complete. That, by the way, is an every day, every minute struggle. Is to remind ourselves, you are in Christ no matter what's going on around us. I don't feel it. I don't care. You are. Trust me. I know. I do the same things you all do. I'm not special. I just desire a good work. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm no different than anybody else. I struggle the same way you all do. But what do we have to do? Every minute of every single day, remind us, that's who we are. We're complete in Christ. There's nothing else that we need. Somebody comes along, yeah, but you need. No, I'm complete in Christ. Like I said, it's easier for somebody to not know that to be moved away, but it is still possible for us to do that. That's what Paul's dealing with over in Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 7. By the way, if you look at Romans chapter 7, what's Paul doing? He's saying, the law came and sin revived and I died. By the way, Romans 7 is not about an unsaved person. It's about a saved person that got stuck under the law. A lot of people make Romans 7 about an unsaved person, but it's not. Romans 7 is a saved person who's moved off of grace into the law. And Paul says what? Oh, wretched man that I am. You know what the law will do? It will make you say that. What's grace do? I'm complete in Christ. I know I messed up, but I can fix it because Christ is in me. And I'm in Him. 
Notice, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You know the good thing about this? One of the purposes of a local assembly is that we all help each other not move this way, but to stay there. Go back over to Galatians, we're not going to. He says, Bear ye one another's burdens. While you have the opportunity, because he continues on and says, because one day you're going to stand before the judge seat of Christ and you're going to be on your own. So take advantage of meeting now so that when you're up there, you have a lot less burning. We're all going to have stuff burn. And I've said this before. I look at the judgment seat of Christ as a great thing because it gets rid of all my junk. And all I'm left with is His perfect righteousness. Hmm? Yeah. People are, people are afraid of the judgment seat of Christ. I, I, I can't wait to get rid of my junk. Yeah. I, and here's the thing. Am I already set free right now? Absolutely. So what do I do? I live set free. Do I, Am I always that way? No. So I have to remind myself, you're complete in Christ. It's His power. It's His life. Just get let His, His life be put on display. That's the thing that, that folks in, in Ephesus were dealing with and Paul was saying, charge some that they teach no other doctrine because it matters. The teaching matters. You see that oftentimes, that word doctrine is the first word. I'm looking at the time and I said that was going to be the last verse so I'm going to, I'm going to be truthful and say <laughs> leave that the last verse. But I want you to remind yourselves as we go out is it possible for us to be moved off and be mindful of that every single moment of every single day and just remind yourself have the verses in your head in your heart to go to, to know that I am perfect and complete, not because of me, not because I'm, I'm such a good person, but it's because Christ is in me. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank You once again for the folks that are showing up here, folks online. We greatly appreciate all those that have decided to come out and be a part of it this morning. As we go our separate ways, may we remind ourselves daily of who we are in Christ and just allow Your Word to be the final authority. Not those issues or life that's going on around us because we, that, that we know that all that stuff's going to go. But we know the only thing that is, is true and doesn't change each and every day of our life is Your Scriptures. Our goal is that we allow Your Word to be the final authority in all things, not what other people think, say, feel, or do. But Your Word is the final authority. Not even things that we think, feel, say, or do. But we align our life with Your life, and that is the Scriptures. That we might be the praise and honor and glory of Your grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I forgot to ask any comments, questions, or remarks. but Just that, you know, you've said it over and over today, and one of the most elementary things 